Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth, in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Our sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a boiling pot tilted away from the north, I answered. The Lord said to me, From the north disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declares the Lord. Their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrances of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness for forsaking me in burning incense to other gods and in worshipping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, its peoples of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Let's pray together. Father... We thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Lord, we pray that that truth would be something that, that prepares us to stand, that frees us from stumbling, that guides us in the way that we should go. Lord, speak through your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been told that you look like someone in your family, a a parent or a distant relative maybe. I think in this past week I was told by Jenny in the kitchen, you look like your mother. And I was told by my sister, you sound like our father. (laughs) 
I, I said to my sister, how do I sound like dad? She said, when you say Linnell, <laughs> I think my sister gets a shiver down her spine. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but I, I wonder as you look through family uh, histories whether there is someone there in, in that photograph who people say, ah, oh, there, there you are as a, as a young man or a, a young lady. Um, that person I think you're a little bit like. It's kind of special when those family resemblances also tie into stories of, of that person's life because then we begin to imagine, oh, I wonder... I wonder if I don't just share their physical attributes, but I wonder if there are things that, that I can draw from in their lives that are going to be significant for me. Um, and if uh, I, I find many times that those sorts of stories are the ones where uh, you tell of a family member who has gone through some particular hardship or difficulty. Maybe they were someone who served in a war. Uh, maybe they lived through a depression. Maybe there was some great upheaval in their family and, and they alone had to, to rise to the occasion. And you think, now, I wonder if those sorts of qualities have been passed down to me as well. We're going to look at Jeremiah as a distant family relative and see, maybe, that there are traits in Jeremiah that are true for us. Certainly that's what I'm going to be encouraging in, in you. What you see in Jeremiah and the way that he stands for God, the way that he speaks truth, and the way that he holds both great sorrow and hardship, but also great confidence in God, they're things that we too can, uh, can take on in ourselves. I'm also uh, today, and, and I imagine through the book of Jeremiah as we look at it, going to point at some of the similarities between Jeremiah and Jesus. Uh, because he serves in many ways in a similar heart to Jesus. Or Jesus, as he comes, would have, in his ministry, many times been uh, compared by the people of Israel to Jeremiah. Um, and we'll talk about that this morning. But uh, if that's a, a quality that we see in Jeremiah and in Jesus, uh, this is a quality that, that we need to, to see in ourselves. Um, and not just see these qualities but see what is the heart of God. What is it that God is wanting to do through his people and for his people that is significant for the world and our days today? The book begins the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anatoth in the land of Benjamin. Many significant people come through the tribe of Benjamin. And so we begin by finding out just a little bit about who Jeremiah was. It says the son of Hilkiah, and around that time there's a significant Hilkiah mentioned, but I don't know that it's the same guy, but he's a man who, when, is, when charged by his king to go into the temple and, and begin to, uh, to do some costs as to what it's going to cost the, the crown in order to, to renovate this old building, is, is a fellow who discovers the book of the law that had been lost for generations and, and now found and brings to the king in order that he might read it. Uh, you can find this story in 2 Kings chapter 22, uh, as we've done a, a little bit of background. Jeremiah preached in the days of Josiah. Now, Josiah had a father who turned away from God, a grandfather who turned away from God. But as a young man of eight years old, was crowned king of Judah. 
and had that decision to make. Now, am I going to follow my father's example and, and my family lineage in, in these things, in bowing down to the idols and, and uh, enjoying the, the worship of the idols of the nations and, and the recognition and uh, prosperity that that might bring? Or am I going to turn in my heart back to the, king of, the, the God of my ancestors? Look back at David and, and see who he worshipped and how he worshipped him. So Josiah we know to be one of those good kings. Uh, someone who finds the, the book of the law in the temple and begins to transform the, the uh, worship and the practice of the people of Israel. But Jeremiah speaks in Josiah's reign but begins uh, in the 13th year. Uh, now... I think maybe I got this fact wrong when I was teaching in Scripture last week about Josiah. Uh, a boy crowned king at eight years old, and then we're told in the 18th year uh, of Josiah they find the book of the law. I don't think that was in the 18th year of his life, but rather the 18th year of his reign. And so Jeremiah becomes a prophet after Josiah has been crowned king, but before the book of the law is found. So consider kind of the, the life and times of Jeremiah then. Two kings before Josiah have been wicked, more wicked than any kings that have been before them. The land is in utter depravity. Idols are being worshipped everywhere and worshipped in all sorts of ways. People are even sacrificing their children in the name of their God because uh, they're, they're trying to please uh, the gods and and seek their blessings. But God says, this sort of worship of, of deities that never would have entered my mind, it's, it's not what I want for you as a people. These are the times of Jeremiah. I wonder if you were to look at your own times or your own religious background, your own family heritage, what are the things that you would look at as, as admirable and, and worth following after and, and what are the things that you would say my goodness I live in a terrible time I live in the days of ISIS I live in the days of Turkey and Syria at war with each other I live in the days of drought I live in the days of climate change I live in the days of marriage change I live in the days of late-term abortions rampant sexual exploitation human trafficking unlike any slavery ever before us people writing the stories of of your life would be looking back at at these things as being the significant events of our world and our society i wonder what they would be thinking of us and our response in these things these things form some of our identity Jeremiah preaches from the days of Josiah until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month, uh, fifth month of Zedekiah's reign. Uh, two kings are mentioned there, but as we heard before, uh, there was a, a number of kings there. Two not mentioned, I think, in this introduction because they serve such a short time, uh, but the significant ones there uh, are mentioned. He lives at a time where Israel has been in terrible turmoil and difficulty where they may for a time have the chance at hearing the word of God and, re and returning to him 
but we know are going to harden their hearts and continue in rebellion, for he will continue to speak until the days of captivity. What else do we learn of Jeremiah? Verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. We find out that Jeremiah's identity doesn't just consist of the world and the times that he lived in. He's not just shaped by the kings who were on the throne at the day. He's not just shaped by his, his family. Uh, his father was a priest. He was a priest. Uh, and, and that religious uh, upbringing that he had. He was called by God. He was known by him when he was in his mother's womb. Called by him before he was even born. Jeremiah's identity has something to do with the, the life and time that, that he lived in, but it, more importantly, was shaped by God who had his hand upon him. His identity was known by God. His purpose was proclaimed by God. He was known, formed, consecrated and appointed by God. I wonder, would you believe the same about yourself? Is it just your parents, your heritage that, that has created an identity for you? Or do you believe that God has a plan for you? That before you were conceived, before you were born, God knew you. And he knew the plans and purposes he has for you. Some would say you are a random act of chance. Circumstances might say that you are a nobody. But God says he knows you and he has a plan and purpose for each one of you. But, Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Where have we heard that before? Moses, not declaring his, his youth, but declaring his inability to speak, says, I think you've got the wrong person, God. You say that I'm the one that you're going to use in order to bring your people out of Egypt, but if you want a spokesperson, I'm not it. Jeremiah's similar. He, he's been born into a priestly family. He knows that he's going to have religious duties, but here God is appointing him as a prophet, a, a mouthpiece who will speak to kings and nations. And he says... I can't do, 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 do that. Besides, I'm only a child. I'm only young. Now, young probably means about 20. But he says, there's, there's some reason, God, that while you say you know me and you've formed me and you have a purpose for me, I don't think that this is really me. Maybe there's things that God has asked for you to do and you've thought that word as well. But, God... Um, let me let me just give you the the profile you know on the back page you know I I can read the things on the front that are obvious to everyone but you know there's things about me that I feel in here there there are things that just are going to discount me for the job that you have at hand I I, I agree with you that's a job that needs to be done but God maybe there's someone better for it. Jeremiah, the commentators say, is one of the most loved prophets. I don't think loved because he had an easy life. Maybe loved because he didn't. Maybe people see that, ah, he's a guy who struggled. 
I can identify with that. Partly, I think it's because when we open the book of Jeremiah, we don't just read the words of Jeremiah. We're not just told the message that Jeremiah preaches. But as he speaks to Baruch and uh, Baruch writes down the things that are, uh, are mentioned by God to Jeremiah in order to mention to the king, there's also alongside of that some biographical data. There's things that we find out about Jeremiah that we don't find out about many of the prophets. We get an insight into how he feels as well as how he acts. And he's human, just like us. There are things that he struggles with. One commentator says, He was by birth a priest, by grace a prophet, by the trials of life a bulwark for God's truth. By daily spiritual experience, one of the greatest exponents of prophetic faith in his unique relation to God. By temperament, gentle and kind, yet constantly contending against the forces of sin. And by nature, a seeker after the love of a companion, his family and above all his people, all of which were denied to him. He was a man of, of simple faith, of human desire, of connection, of, of peace, but someone that God uses at a time where there is not peace, with a message that will not be popular, meaning he will not marry and he will not enjoy acceptance from his people. Can you see your own humanity and struggle in the life of Jeremiah? And can you see that maybe you're holding back from the, what God has asked you to do because of some of those excuses? Well, what does God reply? Do not say, I'm only a youth. For to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. That's the wonderful thing about God-formed identities in us. When God says, I knew you before you were born, he says, it doesn't matter to me all of those experiences that you are going to have in life and all of those weaknesses that are going to be revealed to you that make you think you're not cut out for this. I know you, I have purposed for you, and so I will do these things in you and through you and for you. Don't say I'm only a youth, I will strengthen you. Go where I send you. Whatever I command, speak, but do this without fear, for I am with you. What does Jesus promise his disciples before he goes to heaven? I need to go in order that another might be sent, who will be with you, who will be your counsellor, who will be your power, who will guide you and, and reveal scripture to you, who will empower the words that you speak. We have the Holy Spirit in us, living through us, so that we know that God is with us wherever we go, that the commands of God would be brought to us through the promptings of the Holy Spirit, where the words of God would be spoken through the Spirit, so that we do not need to worry about the things that we should say because the Spirit will give us utterance as we need.
Jeremiah is encouraged not to look at his weaknesses, not to look at his youth, not to look at the difficulty of the task at hand, but just to look at God. He is there beside him. Then God touches his mouth. Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. I've set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The prophet's primary task was to speak. And so God puts his words in the prophet's mouth. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm sending you out that you would make disciples of all nations. I'm giving you my message that you would speak. You, like Jeremiah, are the spokespeople for God. And like Jeremiah, that message can be both bitter and sweet. It's a word of warning. It's a word of rebuke. It's a word of truth that is uncomfortable for people who have been convinced of the lie that, that the enemy has, has woven in their lives. But it is a word that is sweet. It is a word that says, while there is judgment to come, there is hope for those who would call upon the name of the Lord. Though the judgment is sure, it is no less certain than the faithfulness of God to his people. The gospel builds up and tears down. The gospel uproots and also plants. The gospel is sweet. To those who will receive it. But we need to know the message. We need to see it and be able to speak it truly. And so God tests Jeremiah and he says, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see an almond branch. The Lord said, you have seen well, for I'm watching over my word to perform it. Now, I don't know a lot of Hebrew, but research says that the word for watching and the word for almond sound the same. And so there's a connection here between what Jeremiah is given as a vision, an almond branch, and the message that Jeremiah is to, be, to receive. God is watching. We can also learn from the almond tree that it's, it's one of the first trees that will blossom in the spring. And so you want to know when spring is coming, you don't look at the tree that's going to put out its leaves last. You look at the ones that are going to bud first. And so the almond branch is also sort of indicative of God giving a sign through Jeremiah of the things that are to come. And if he's, if he's attentive, he will see. And if the people listen, they will hear. What is the sign that God is going to perform, or what is it that's about to come? It's in the second vision. I see a boiling pot, Jeremiah says, facing away to the north. The Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose on all the inhabitants of the land. Now, you might contrast Jeremiah with uh, some of the other prophets and say, well, they had a much easier task. For, for many of them, uh, it was simply to say, don't go to Egypt looking for help. Look to the Lord and he will bring help. And we see that happening. People are, are told not to, 
to trust in the, the worship of the temple, but to trust in the God of the temple, and they will be preserved. But Jeremiah's message is not trust in this place, trust in the God of this place. He will not let disaster overtake you. Jeremiah's message is God's had enough. For generations, God has been saving you from the calamity that has been a warning to you that you have turned away from him and you need to turn back to him. For generations, the prophets have been speaking this message and you have been hard of hearing, but God has been faithful and gracious and patient with you. But God said when he first brought you into the land, if you do not heed my word, if you do not worship me as the one true God, well, then this very land will spit you out. And what was intended as a blessing will become for you a curse because you have rejected the Lord as your God. And that's now Jeremiah's message. Time's up. Judgment is coming and you will know that it is the Lord who brings it because it will come from the north. What a message to speak. We too speak of the day of the Lord. If you research through the Old Testament of you know, when, the, when the day of the Lord is spoken about, sometimes it, it seems like a, a day of great destruction and sometimes it seems like a day of great victory. And really it's the same. It's God who wins, but he wins through a, a terrible battle. The enemies have to be defeated in order for the peace of God to reign. And the day of the Lord is fulfilled in part in the coming of Christ. We see the mercy of God as he says, destruction is coming. I'm going to take sin seriously. Sin leads to death. You need to see that. And then he painted that picture for us with Christ hanging on the cross. This is the end result of your sin death and it will be your death if it's not Christ's here is your way out this is the message that you have to preach in your days like Jeremiah judgment is coming but for those who look to Christ his death will be sufficient to pay for yours and it's a day of hope for on that day, when the very elements of the earth break apart, those who are in Christ will remain. There will be life for those who deserve death, but have trusted in Christ as Lord. I've said that Jeremiah is like Jesus. We'll look at these things in greater detail uh, later, I imagine. But in these ways, in Jeremiah's day, he spoke against apostasy. What's that? People who say they believe one thing, but in their life, they're showing that they believe something completely different. People who may be attending the temple and all of its ceremonies, but during the week are attempting, uh, attending all of the, the other temple ceremonies and, and worshipping all of the other gods as well who say they love God but through their actions show that they have nothing but, but hatred towards him. 
Jeremiah and Jesus spoke of such apostasy and false worship. Both Jeremiah and Jesus went into the temple and had their hearts broken for what was happening in the temple in their day. We know Jesus knocking over the the tables of the, the money changers and saying, this is intended to be a place of worship, but you have made it a den of thieves and robbers. He was speaking in the words of Jeremiah. Both were accused of treason. How dare you say that God is going to destroy this, this temple? Don't you know what, how wonderfully this has been built and how God has consecrated it and God has promised to be here for his people? And that, uh, Both Jeremiah and Jesus said, don't trust in this temple. Don't be enamored by its glory. God can bring destruction on this so that not one stone is left upon another. Both foretold that destruction. Jeremiah was given the word of God. It touched his lips that he might speak. Jesus was given as the word of God. The gospel that we speak is of Christ and him crucified, of him raised to life again and him glorified. It speaks against false religion. It speaks against a, a Christianity that, that is words but not deeds. It speaks against false hope of a generation. It speaks of a dr- destruction that is to come. And so our message is not easy. God says to Jeremiah, I will make you this day like a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against kings, its officials, its priests and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the armies of the Lord. We live in difficult times, but we are called to be a city on a hill. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. We are called to be living stones, the very temple of the Lord. This is what we have been called for before we were born. It's the purpose that God has has revealed to us as we have given our lives to him. And it's the word that we are to speak with boldness. Stand like a man. No, not, that's not what it says. What does it say? Stand your ground. Verse 17. Dress yourself for work. What's God saying to Jeremiah? Gird your loins. We've been given the belt of truth around our waist. That gathers up the garments so we don't trip on them. That enables us to stand without impediment. That means that while people will believe all and sundry, we have the truth and we stand upon it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life that you have given us. Physical life, firstly, yes. Lord, we thank you for, 
for the lives that you have purposed us to live. But Lord, we thank you even more for the purpose for which you have given us life, that we would be called children of God, that we would be the disciples of Christ, that we would be the messengers sent out into this world. Lord, when you come, you're going to be looking for faith upon the earth. And so, Lord, we pray that you would plant that faith in us. Lord, make us immovable. Make us confident. Make us strong and brave, even when we fear. Lord, may we be encouragers of one another. May we know that we do not stand alone. God be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.